0: Hey there, you've tuned in to 19 North's podcast, a young adults ministry part of Victory Family Church located in Cranberry Township, PA. You can check us out every Saturday night at 8.30. And if you missed everything I just said, just follow us on Instagram at 19 underscore
1: North. Man, we're we're glad you guys are here at 19 North and it's gonna be a great night. Tonight we have a guest speaker, a very close friend of mine. We met probably about six, seven months ago. And the first time I saw him, there was just something special about him. It was like he was a magnet. And man, I was just attracted to him. And uh, I got to know him over a, a period of time. And his heart for people was so thick and so, it's so tangible and it's so real. And he's so authentic. And this friend is David Gibbons. So David, why don't you come on up? Let's give it up for David. <laughs> David is gonna be going to Church of the Highlands in August And he has a call of God on his life to reach people, to be an evangelist, to be a preacher, to be a speaker. And man, I'm just so honored that I get to know you and that we get to hear an awesome message about overcoming our past. So why don't we just extend our hands. Let's pray. Over uh, Over David Gibbons in the night, so Father God, we just thank you, Lord, we thank you for this night. we thank you for this opportunity to come into your house and experience your presence, God. We thank you that you are here and you 're going to speak to us you 're going to reveal your revelation and truth. right now, I just thank you for David Gibbons that you have given him a gift, and that 's that grace that 's coming upon his life that 's going to deliver this gift so we don 't place a demand on a person, but we place a demand on the grace of God on his life. so we thank you and we thank you and we thank you for your mighty work. We'll go forth tonight in Jesus name amen let's get off for David Amen amen <laughs> 19 North how we feeling we feel good Yeah yeah man
0: you guys are so beautiful there's a lot of really beautiful people here tonight I'm really glad to be here tonight Thanks for introducing me Zach. Um, I was so happy when Zach told me that tonight was going to be Jack' testimony night. The, the thrivers, the high school kids who had went to camp this week were sharing their testimonies how God had changed their life and i tell you what, I know something about God changing your life very rapidly, very quickly. And so what I'd like to do tonight is I'd like to talk to you uh, about sharing your testimony, how important sharing your testimony is and the power that your testimony has. So oftentimes, we don't really know how powerful our testimony even is. And in some cases, we doubt that our testimony could have any effect on anyone at all. And that is not the truth whatsoever. The the main part of the testimony is that you've gone through some tests, right? Anybody ever had some tests? Anybody ever had some tests? i tell you what. God can get you through those tests. And he can get you the other side where you're sharing about what he's done with your life. And it's changing the hearts of other people. So I got a couple points I want you guys to follow up with tonight. Uh, You can write them down if you're taking notes. If not... Just make sure they burn into your brain real hard, right? The point number one is that the truth is that our testimony is an essential element to expanding the kingdom of God. It is absolutely essential. And coming here to 19 North, someone with a, a testimony, a background like mine, I know it can be an intimidating place. I know you can walk in here and think, man, I'm never going to fit in. There's so many people in here that are, that are holier than I or... They're, they're so pure and blameless, and how could I fit in at a place like this? Can okay, I tell you that that's not the case at all? The truth is that 19 North is a safe place. It's a safe place for anybody in any walk, no matter what you're struggling with, what you're dealing with, what's gone on in your past. Because this is not a perfect people club. This is not. This is a I'm not perfect, and I need Jesus Christ who was perfect and is perfect and will be perfect on that day when he comes again club. That is exactly what this place is. And we're glad you're here. You're invited every week, and we love seeing you here. We do. So let's get into what we're looking to here. We're looking at 2 Timothy seven. Pull out your iPad, your iPod, your iPhone. If you've got a photographic memory, you can pull out your eyelids. Uh, maybe you even have one of those paper things uh, A Bible, a real Bible. Some people use those nowadays. But we're going to look at 2 Timothy, first chapter, verse 7. God did not give us a spirit that is timid, but one that is powerful, loving, and self-controlled. God did not give us a spirit that is timid. See, when we're in a situation when we could share our testimony, there's often a feeling of timidity that arises in us. Whether it's fear, fear of judgment, fear of your reputation, reputation, fear of exposing your sins, your past sins, exposing those dark places of your heart that you don't want anybody else to see. And what we need to do is we need to figure out why we have those feelings. Right? We need to introspect a little bit and see, why do I feel this way? There is an enemy and he doesn't want you to feel fear. And usually that enemy is doing more to oppose you than you are doing to fight back against him, right? So two things we need to do whenever we have these feelings, whenever we feel some type of way, right? Two things we need to do. We need to discover the origin of the feelings, okay? We need to recognize that timidity, fear, powerlessness, those things don't originate from God. Those are lies fed straight from the lips of the enemy, is do not start God, from God. They, they just don't. The enemy wants us to feel this thing, these things so we can't share our testimony, so we don't share our testimony to other people who need to hear the test that you've gone through. See, usually, when someone feels some way, when someone's insecure, they'll do something to make you feel insecure. And that's how they feel better about themselves. Can I tell you that Satan is afraid of you because he sees you as a threat that expands the kingdom of God? He is afraid of you. He is fearful of you, so he wants you to be fearful about sharing what you've gone through and sharing the goodness of God that can set people free. Right. He is absolutely afraid of you. And he should be. He should be. The Bible says we have the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Little rascal says you are the scum between my toes. That's what he is. He's the scum between our toes. So we recognize the origin, right? His feelings are not from God. Can't, we, can't go with, we can't run with those feelings, right? Second thing we do, we recognize the origin, and then we act, okay? We act. It is not healthy to act on the feelings that you're getting that are not from God. It is not healthy to act on those feelings. So although these feelings are very normal, and we all have them from time to time, trust me. Anybody ever been afraid? Can you raise your hand? Anybody ever been afraid? Some of you guys are just brave and bold. Wow. I've been afraid a couple times. I'll tell you what. And I'll tell you, one day I'm going to be a father. One day I'm going to be a husband. And when someone breaks into my house to kill my wife and my children, I'm not going to,
1: please don't kill me.
0: Please, please. And when Satan says, be afraid, I'm not going to fall to my knees and say, please, I'm so afraid. Someone breaks into my house, I'm going to be ready with the shotgun, and they're going to get it, right? (laughs) Anybody a father, anybody a dad, I'm sure you're going to be ready with the shotgun. And when Satan comes, you got to be ready with the same weapon to fight back against him and say, no, you're not getting in this house. You are not taking my kids, you're not taking my family, and you're not going to take over my heart. It belongs to you. Stand up for what's yours. Don't let them in your house. <laughs> we got to know what God says about us. We've got to know who we are. We've got to get in the Word, right? Knowing the authority that you have over Satan in Christ Jesus and the blood of Jesus and the power of that cross. So we recognize the origin. We act accordingly. Our rebuttal is our counterattack. And we can't worry about what others are going to say about us, Right? They're not paying your bills. They're not paying your taxes. They're not going to be the one welcoming you at the pearly gates. You can't worry about what they're going to say. It's not important. It's just not. And when the world, the enemies of God, are saying good things about you, friends, let me tell you, you're going the wrong way. You are not doing the right thing. So we have to counter those feelings of powerlessness and timidity with what God says about us. Second Scripture. Second Scripture. Second Timothy, first chapter, verse 8. We're just rolling through Second Timothy here. If anybody hasn't noticed yet. So don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord or of me. Instead, share the suffering for the good news, depending on God's power. God is the one who saved and called us with this holy calling. This wasn't based on what we have done, but it was based on His own purpose and grace that He gave in Christ Jesus before time began. See, the testimony that you share is the testimony of Christ Jesus. It's suffering for the good news of Christ Jesus. It's not about you. It's not about your reputation. Your testimony is about the resurrection. We serve the God of the resurrection. And the same God that resurrected Jesus out of that grave can resurrect you out of that slimy hole you've been living in, the past you've been living in, the things people have done to you, the things you've done to yourself, and bring you into a new creation that walks and lives again and lives in a completely different life. Completely different life. That's what your testimony says. Your testimony says, I serve a God who brought me out of a cave like Elijah and brought me into the light, into a new creation, just like Jesus Christ. That's what your testimony is about. We cannot be afraid to share that. See, what you think is actually bad news about you is the good news about God. The bad news about your past is the good news about God and how gracious He is, and how much He loves you, and how much He does not care where you've been or what you've done. He cares about you becoming who He calls you to be. The enemy wants us to feel that shame, that shame from our past, and from the things that we did so we can keep our testimonies bottled up, So we can't expand the kingdom. But we have to step out of our comfort zone. And we have to know that we don't have to cover up and hide like Adam and Eve did. The Bible says that he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. We have nothing to hide. There was never anything that ever happened. What you've done will never be held against you. You will not walk up to heaven's gates. And he will not say, well... David did, whoa, that's a long list. David did this and this and this and this. No, it's like it never even happened. Like that never existed. That person was not real. He was dead. He was living a lie. And now he's someone else. That is who God is. He's the one who can bring you out of that dead life. So point number two. Point number two. Those sins, your past... They do not define you and they do not determine the course of the rest of your life or how you have to live today. They don't. They just don't. That's not who you have to be. See, everything happens for a reason. Sometimes the reason is we're just stupid. <laughs> Anybody ever had a little bit of stupid? Swallowed the stupid pill, stuck on stupid. It happens. It happens. We get tempted. There's an enemy in this world. He's going to try and tempt you, right? And sometimes we fall victim to it. You've got to believe, though, that those failures, those shortcomings, those I missed the mark, the I went too far, have a purpose. They have a purpose. I coached a lacrosse team this past year. I played lacrosse in high school and in college a little bit. And I coached a lacrosse team that's probably the worst lacrosse team in all of Western Pennsylvania. Like I'm talking bad, so bad. And can I tell you how many games we won? We won no games, (laughs) zero, zilch, no games. It was so humiliating. Oh, it was rough, it was so rough. But can I tell you that I learned so much from losing those 13 games more than I ever had, winning all my games an entire season. I learned more from losing, from making mistakes, from failing with that team than I ever have in three years of coaching. You've got to make some mistakes if you want to learn. That's how we learn. Zach Blair, a while ago, a while ago, said, "Knowledge plus application, that's wisdom. That's wisdom. So think about a surgeon. A surgeon acquires all this knowledge from their years in med school and their fellowship and their internship and their externship and their off the ship and in the ship and all these kind of ships, and they, just, they get really smart and they get really good at what they do, and that's why they make all this money, right? They acquire and gain all this knowledge, and they apply it. And that's why surgeons are considered some of the smartest people in the medical field. They gain all this knowledge, and they apply it. And that's wisdom. That's wisdom. Can I tell you that each and every single one of you in here is a surgeon? You're a surgeon. You have knowledge. You have tools that you've acquired from the mistakes that you've learned in your past, and you can use them to save someone's life. The scalpel is in your hand. You can go to work on someone, share your testimony, and save their life. Someone who is dying. You can be a surgeon. We have the tools. We've got to use them. You can't get caught up in that fear. Third scripture here. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2 this time. I'm mixing it up. Verse 2. Take the things you heard me say in front of many other witnesses and pass them on to faithful people. Pass them on to faithful people. we have got to pass on what we've learned from our mistakes to other people who can come into the faith, who can become faithful. Don't victimize yourself. Don't fall captive to your testimony. I'm not trying to say what's happened to you, what you've gone through, what life was like when you grew up or when you were in high school is okay and that's fair. No, it's wrong and it's tragic. And I'm sorry that's happened to you. I know what that hurts like. I do. I do. But as soon as we victimize ourselves, we become powerless. We let the incidents or the events that happened define us and determine who we are and who we have to be and who we're going to be. And that's not the truth. That's not the truth at all. Know that your suffering ultimately serves a purpose in His master plan for you. See, Paul went around killing Christians. Peter denied Christ three times. But still, God used them. They shared those testimonies with people about how they wronged Christ, how they made mistakes, how they had faults and failures, but how they came out of it and how God changed their lives because of those things and brought them closer to Him. And they saved so many people. They preached the gospel all across those nations. See, people who seem not equipped at all are exactly the people that God wants. Because God doesn't call the equipped, but He'll equip the called. He'll give you exactly what you need to say, exactly when you need to say it, in order to change someone's life, to plant a seed that he will water, he will grow, and he will harvest. He'll use you. He'll use you. But you have to let him. You have to let him. I just, I want to think about how vulnerable Peter, Paul, some of those guys were when they were sharing those testimonies, saying like, yeah, like, well, I used to kill Christians, but now I am one. And uh, you should become one too. (laughs) Think of how vulnerable, like how silly these guys had to feel when they were telling people this stuff. But when we open ourselves up and we make ourselves vulnerable, other people feel vulnerable. And they're more willing to open up and share about their hurts and about their faults and their failures and their past. And can I tell you that God will use you to touch a part of them that's so connected to you that they'll feel so connected to you that they feel connected to God? Because you share exactly what they're going through? We're going to move right along here to 2 Timothy, 2nd chapter, verse 3. It's so crazy. This was a couple of months back and I'm sitting in my room and God just led me to, to read 2 Timothy, right? And if you know anything about me, I'm not an intellect, I'm not an academic, so you know this was God. But I had this prompting in my heart just to start writing, writing down as much as I could as I'm reading this. And I, I, and I wanted to write down exactly why this is important and how it related to me. And when Zach asked me to speak on testimony sharing weekend, I was like, wow, the message is already written. I didn't have to do anything. <laughs> Share in your suffering. Share in your suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. A good soldier. I'm glad Zach brought up the, uh, the little bit about the 4th of July coming and soldiers doing what they do for us and we got to be so thankful for that to live in a country where we are not prosecuted for being a Christian where we can come into this house on a Saturday night and praise and worship the God who saves that's amazing that's amazing because people lay their life down on the line that's amazing and so as soldiers of Christ Jesus And I'm not a soldier in the army or anything, but I imagine soldiers aspire to be like their leaders, their commanders. And if our commander suffered the most brutal, torturous death, dying on that cross, having his beard ripped out, imagine the pain. If that's what our commander suffered, you think we could suffer a little bit by sharing our testimony? Some of our faults, our failures, some of our... Deepest, darkest secrets. I think we could share in a little bit of that. That suffering, don't fall captive to it. Don't victimize yourself. It's not about you. Testimony is about God. It's about how good God is. Know that your suffering serves a purpose in his plan for you and his plan for you to reach other people because that's what it's about. That's what it's about. My third point here is that what the devil intended to use for your harm and to hurt you, God is going to use for his glory, for his plan, for his purpose. Whatever Satan tries to do to take you down, God is going to use to exhort him and exhort his kingdom and lift him up so other people can know how awesome he is. How awesome he is. Because God has a plan for our hurts to be healed. You know, Jesus died for our healing. It's not just, if you'll heal me. No, he died for us to be healed. And he has a plan for your hurts, your heartaches to be healed if you will accept and understand what his son did for you to have that. But we have to accept our pasts. We have to let him heal us. We have to come to him, ask him to heal us, and believe that he'll heal us. I know there are some things in my life that I never thought I'd be able to heal from I know that there's someone in this room tonight who has a hurt that's so deep that they think not God, nothing in this world could heal them. Nothing could heal the pain that they have suffered, that they have gone through. And I know what that's like. I I do. But his word says that by his stripes we are healed. You can have healing. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to have scars. If you have any scars, you know they don't hurt to touch. They're just something to look at and show where you've been, what you've done, what you've been through. They're wounds that once caused pain, but are now healed and don't hurt anymore. They serve as a reminder of what happened, of where you've been, and where God has got you. So, what I want to do tonight is I'm going to share some of my scars. I tell you what, they don't hurt anymore. They did. They did for a long time. My scars started as little baby wounds right here in my heart. And they grew and they grew and they grew. The first hurt, the first wound that I ever felt was when my parents separated when I was six. And some of you may say, oh, that's normal, that happens in our society. Can I tell you that's not how God planned it to happen? Can I tell you that statistics say that five to eight years down the road from a divorce or a separation, the kids will have so much pain and heartache and hurt that they will be destroyed. It will ruin them. And if that's happened to you, I know exactly what you've gone through because it's ruined me. My most vivid memory from this divorce, I was about six years old when this happened. My most vivid memory is my father sitting in his man chair. Everybody's got a man chair, right? A big, comfy, lazy boy. And we're going through this divorce. And I'm watching TV and just the sound of such deep, hurting, sobbing, and weeping. The pain of Being abandoned by a mother. That's the first vivid memory that I have of this divorce. And in that marriage, all I can remember was yelling and crying. And if my mom was yelling, my dad was crying. If my dad was crying, my mom was yelling. Or I was crying. Or I was yelling at them to stop yelling and crying. There was just a lot of of hurt in that house. And Satan used these events to try and lie to me. And maybe he's used an event like that to lie to you and tell you that God doesn't exist. It's your fault. No one will ever love you. Your parents don't even love you. They didn't love you enough to stay together. That's a lie. That's a lie. I was a lie. I was about six years old. I was lied to yet again as an eight-year-old child. I had a family member, a cousin, about three or four years older than me. I was eight at the time. And she convinced me to have sex with her. And not only her, but a friend of hers at eight years old. what You don't even know what's going on with your body at eight years old, but you're building an intimate relation that the Bible says is for marriage only. She lied to me. She convinced me that it would be okay. And that seed that was planted in my heart of sexual immorality grew and grew and grew until it became evident in my own life. Two years later, I'm 10 years old, I had a neighborhood friend, a boy, molest me. taking me in the garage of my own house, molest me. And another seed was planted in my heart, am I gay? Does he think I'm gay? Is that why he did that to me? Maybe I am gay. These seeds planted in my heart hurt and hurt. And I was so scared as a child, as a kid, I would sit in the living room by the telephone because I was scared that someone was going to call and tell my parents. So every time that phone would ring, oh, don't tell mom and dad what happened to me. Don't tell them what I did. I was paralyzed by fear. Paralyzed. Mm. All this aside, I was growing up as a kid in this church. When it was uh, on Mystic Pine, in another spot in Cranberry, I was another kid in the church, right? Went to Jesus camp. Dad played in the worship team. but the hurts were unreal. They were so unreal. And as I continued to grow up and get involved in more different sports and travel sports, I started moving away from the church and my connections started loosening and weakening from the church and I started making connections with other people that weren't in the church and getting exposed to other things. 12 years old, pornography, pornography right? 13 years old, found a bag of pot in my mom's bedroom. And, you know, you look up to your parents. I was like, oh, whatever this is, it must be cool, because my mom does it. 13 years old, I'm smoking pot, stealing beer out of the fridge. 14 years old, I lost my real virginity, not the eight-year-old virginity. These things, they have an effect. They just grow deeper and deeper and deeper, and you get more attached and attached and attached because you're never fully satisfied. You'll never be able to have enough of that pleasure. You'll never be able to have enough of that high, that drunkenness, whatever it is. It will never fill you up. And so I chased it, and I chased it, and I was searching and searching because it was good, but it wasn't enough, and I wanted more. 15 I'm stealing my mom's prescription pills. She uh, had a chronic muscle disorder, fibromyalgia. She's got this muscle pain. Doctors give her opiates. Sure. Maybe these will do for me what, what I want them to do. Maybe they'll fill me up. So I'm stealing prescription pills. And all this domino effect just led to never being satisfied. Never being satisfied. And it continued... And the the big event in my life that really, really changed me as if I hadn't hit rock bottom yet was 18 years old, senior of high school, had it all going for me, right? I had the car, the captain of the cheerleading squad girlfriend and rich friends with parties and booze and everything. And one Friday night, I went to a football game so drunk, I couldn't stand up. And I got kicked out of the football game. And I got kicked out of high school for a semester. And if I wanted to come back to high school, I had to go through a drug and alcohol rehabilitation program. And as if it couldn't get any worse, my new friends weren't the friends that I had in high school. They were the friends that I... Had in my drug and alcohol rehabilitation program. So, as if I hadn't had enough, they introduced me to other cool, new, exciting activities like acid and ecstasy and underground rave parties down in Homewood and other parts of the city. And it just grew deeper and deeper, and I went down lower and lower and lower and lower and lower. But still graduated from high school, right? Got a scholarship to go play lacrosse at a school in Charlotte, North Carolina called Wingate University, really small school. And so I just felt if I, if I got out of here, if I went down to Wingate, these things wouldn't follow me. There'd be a cut dead end there from my past and all the pain. And I would just be able to start anew. And I went down there and I was banking on being athletic, paying my way through college. And sometimes your talent will take you places that your character cannot sustain at all. My character was weak. It was lacking. It was awful. But by God's grace, I still went to that college. He made a way for me. A semester into that college, I spit in his face and said, "No. School's stupid. I want a party. I want that high. I'm going to chase that. Scholarship to, <laughs> who needs it?" I came home, I went to community college. I was living at home, and as if my lifestyle couldn't get any worse. I moved in with a mother whose lifestyle was also pretty bad, and she was so love deprived from our relationship that she let me do whatever I wanted. It was even worse. It's even worse than it was before. And uh, I picked up right where I left off when I left Granberry. I lost my license. I'm living at home. I needed to go and finish my degree somewhere because I was at community college, so where would I wind up? But IUP, I usually party. What a place to be. What a place to be. And things changed, right? Because I'm not a a burnout stuck at home anymore. Now I'm a college boy, you know? I'm going to class. I can drink and go to class and do drugs, right? That's what you do at college. As we wrap it up here, it's funny how God will bring you into dark places just to show you the light, right? Sometimes places get so dark that the light's so bright that you can't avoid it anymore. And it was here at IUP where God got a hold of my heart. It was here in this town of sin and darkness where I found a group on campus called Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And it was in that group where God really got a hold of my heart and he brought me to people who had been through the same struggles that I had gone through, who had been through the parental relationship issues, that had been through the drugs and the alcohol and the sex and the party scene and said, yeah, it's just not for me. And you know what is, is what God has to offer me. And you know what, David, I think if you gave God a chance, he could give you what he's given us, and he wants to give you that. So I'm at IUP, and I come back one uh, one Thanksgiving, and Mike Russell, Mike Russell, what a guy. I, I, can't say, I can't say enough about Mike Russell. Yeah, <laughs> clap it up for Mike Russell. Is Mike here? We love Mike. Oh, my gosh. Whoever Mike's at, hi, Mike. Um, I asked Mike, I said, Mike, I'm, I'm growing in my relationship with God, and what, what do I do? He said, get baptized. Get baptized. I said, okay, I'll get baptized. And uh, I was waiting to come back home, so I get baptized I had a church around here so my family could come to it uh, and see me get baptized. And Lord, I know God put in my heart, He said, no, I want you to get baptized here at IUP in front of all these people who have seen you do do all these things so they can see the change and they can see my power and how I can turn dark to light like that. So a week later, I get baptized at IUP. And can I tell you, that rising from that water was the most exhilarating experience, the most life-changing experience that I could ever, ever imagine. And every chain that was holding me up, every bondage of sin, of brokenness, just fell like that. There was never a desire to drink There was never desire to feel a certain type of way ever again because God had completely restored everything that I was looking for, completely restored it, and he wants to do that for you. He wants to. Not only does he want to, he can and he will if you would let him. So as we close here, with every head bowed, and every eye closed. I just want you to take a minute. Look inside yourselves and say, Where have I been? What has been been done to me? What has happened to me? Or what have I done to myself? And what I want to do is I want to help you heal from those things that have happened to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this room and at any point in time, you thought, David, I've been there, I've done that. David, I don't want to hurt anymore. David, I don't want to have to feel the way that I feel. David, I want to be set free from this. I tell you, there's nothing that I could do to set you free. But there's someone who died, hung on a cross, to pay that price for you so that you could be set free from those things. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, I want that. I want to be set free. I want want to acknowledge Jesus as the one who sets me free. I want to, to proclaim his name and accept what he has for me the count of three here, you just raise your hand so we can say a prayer to have that happen for you. On the count of three, one, two, three. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as a church family here. We could all say this prayer together. Father God, I thank you for the cross. I thank you for Jesus and how he paid my sin debt. God, I proclaim that Jesus is your son and I make him the Lord and savior of my life. Jesus, I thank you for coming. I am now a child of God. Amen. Amen. Give them a hand, guys. Can we give them a hand? Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Look, I know know there's a lot of fear that goes along with exposing some of the things that we've dealt with. The Bible says that those living in the darkness are afraid to come to the light for the fear of their sins being exposed. God knows, He knows, and He loves you anyways, and He wants you to be healed. So for those of you who accepted that, accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just know that there's healing coming your way. There is healing and restoration coming to your heart, and it is not, God, if you want to, God, if you will... It's a guarantee that he will heal you if you accept him and you let him. I can't stress that enough. Zach, I'd like to thank you for giving me the opportunity, wherever you're at. Got a couple announcements here. 19 North, it was great to speak with you here tonight.